Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a sideline sleuth. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. I picked today's episode because it's a love triangle. And it's, it's not very Valentine's-y because it's like morbid. No, it's, it's extra love. Okay. But, uh, well, it's, not, it's morbid because it's on our podcast. So it's not a, it's not a happy story. <laughs> but anyway, today we're going to talk about the disappearance of a 32-year-old woman named Brandy Hanna who went missing in May of 2005. She lived in Charleston, South Carolina, which is actually my mom's hometown and the city where my parents met in the 80s. Oh, well, love. Yeah, love is in the air. Brandy was la- my parents had divorced after being married for twenty years. Which, Uh-oh. like, how do you do that? Like, oh, they made it so far. Twenty years. I think they secretly hated each other the whole time, though. That's but anyway, Brandy was last known to be at her house that evening, and later a neighbor would report anonymously that they saw someone pick Brandy up that night before she vanished. Hmm. The only problem is the description given fit two men who both seemed like likely suspects. Oh, no. So who picked Brandy up that night? What happened to her? And where is she now? Well, here's what we know. Brandy had been in a long-term relationship of nearly six years with a man she would at some point become engaged to, named Ray McAdams. However, during the course of their relationship, Brandy unexpectedly developed feelings for Ray's friend, a man named Zeke Lankford. Zeke and his wife had recently split up, and being a good friend, Ray let him crash at their place. Oh, love triangle indeed. Yeah. but Messy. I know, I'd be pissed. But Brandy and Zeke started having an affair. There's been some conflicting reports about whether Ray uncovered the secret affair or if Brandy actually confessed to it on her own. But either way... Ray tells Zeke that he has to get out of their house. Fair. Naturally, yeah. Yeah. He tells Brandy that she can stay and they can work on their relationship. But she ends up calling off the engagement to Ray and moving out to get an apartment with Zeke. Oh. I know, like, this betrayal. Is yeah. However, not long after she did that, Zeke ended their relationship and decided to reconcile with his wife. <gasps> Zeke. I know. I the betrayal know you at all, again. Zeke. I just feel like you're making a lot of moves that are yeah. rude. Yeah, she gave up her home that she lived in for six years. I mean, not that she deserves any, like, sympathy, because look what she did to Ray. I don't know. To but some still, extent, all is fair in yeah, love and war. I guess. I feel bad for her, even though, like, she just hoed Ray. But. <laughs> so, thinking he would have a change of heart and come back to her, Brandy allows Zeke to keep the key to the apartment... <gasps> even though he's not living there anymore. And they still had some sort of relationship, I guess, because they communicated regularly, though they weren't, like, together anymore. Dang, Zeke, why you gotta be such a player? I know. <sighs> Men. Ray wasn't ready to give up on his relationship with Brandy, but Brandy wasn't ready to give up on her relationship with Zeke. So, on Friday, May 20th, 2005, Brandy went to work in the morning and headed home that afternoon. She was a waitress at a restaurant called Alex's, and her mom worked there, too. They actually missed each other that day by just a few minutes. I think Brandy went in the 7 o'clock hour and got off at, like, 2.30, and her mom was supposed to come in at, like, 3-ish, maybe. 
So the two talked on the phone later in the day, and her mom said Brandy had plans to go to the beach that weekend. However, Brandy never made it to the beach, and as you know, someone picked her up from her apartment on Friday night. So on Friday, Brandy had plans to see Zeke, but he told police he got stuck at work late and actually didn't end up stopping by the apartment. A few days later, an anonymous tip was reported that a witness saw Brandy getting into a red truck with her ex-boyfriend. The only problem was, which ex-boyfriend? Was it Ray or was it Zeke? Do they both have red trucks? They both have red trucks. Oh, Brandy, this is why I always told myself, date around, don't have a type. (laughs) I definitely have a type. Hopefully they have cars. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> Tell them too much about myself. Anyway, they, so they both have red trucks, and from a distance, it's reasonable to mistake one for the other, especially at night when it's dark, yes. and both men denied knowing anything. But mm. it's kind of almost like a perfect crime. Like you get yeah. somebody who looks like you, who drives a car like you, you commit the crime together, but you're not seen together and then you can just point the finger at the other and they can't what Megan? what is that what you think happened what? I, I, that's not what i think happened but, okay. well, but that's crazy right like I, I couldn't conceive such a crime we just gave you a plot to a movie so <laughs> i think we're out here making murderers <laughs> sorry how to get away with murder by megan and jasmine so let's talk about the timeline of events so on friday may 20th brandy goes to work at seven i was right And she's there until 2.30. Gotcha. Reportedly, at some point that day, she received a call on the restaurant's phone, and afterward, she seemed upset. Mm -hmm. She told one of her customers that she was frightened of someone, but she didn't say who. Dang it. Before leaving after her shift ended, Brandy called her mom, who was supposed to come in around the same time, but they ended up missing each other when Brandy left shortly before 3. A man named Andy gave Brandy a ride home. He was a retired cop who drove people around town for a few dollars. Basically, he was like an Uber before Uber. Pioneer. He said he dropped Brandy off at her apartment and even waited for her to get inside the unit. He said she turned back, waved to him, and said, see you Monday. She had plans. Yeah, so this is not a case of she, like, ran off. Brandy In the beach, right? Yeah, she was going to the beach. Brandy liked to talk, and she called her mom around 5.30 that evening. She told her that Zeke might be stopping by, and her mom said she seemed excited about that. Which makes me think that he's not the person she told her customer she was frightened of because she wanted him to come over. Right, right, right. Donna, Brandy's mom, expected that she and Brandy would talk again later that night. But when she called her daughter, it went to voicemail. Brandy sent a text to her friend Amy around 8 p.m., and they decided to go shopping later that evening when Amy got off work. So, little sidebar, Amy is Ray's sister-in-law. Like, I think she's married to Ray's brother. So, she's still very close to the McAdams family. And then Brandy and her are best friends, even though Brandy and Ray split up. Are on the friends. Okay. So, Brandy and Amy have plans to go shopping. I'm so embarrassed. My, um... My objection is shopping after 8 p.m. Yeah. What's, what stores are that's open? That's how old I am. I'm like, I'm sorry, we don't start anything after 8 p.m. Brandy said she needed a new swimsuit for the beach, so that and they were going to go in the morning, so that was like the plan she needed to go. But also, I'm a crazy planner, and I would have had that swimsuit like two weeks ago. Yeah. 
Phone records showed that Brandy checked her voicemail less than an hour after making these plans with Amy, and that she also sent a text to Zeke around 10 p.m. Do you remember okay. when it was like a call to your voicemail rather than just yeah. pushing a button? Dating ourselves here. Realizing that she still hadn't talked to Brandy, her mom Donna called her again and left a message. Two unanswered calls were immediately alarming to her, and she knew that something just wasn't right. Mm. Apparently, they talked off and on all day. Yeah. That's like my so. sister and I talk a lot, and if she doesn't answer her phone, I start to be like, are you dead? And then I ask other people, like, when's the last time you talked to my sister? I don't know. I have this, like, irrational fear that she's going to die from carbon monoxide poisoning, and she, like <laughs> – so if she doesn't answer her phone, I'm like, that's it. In the middle of the night, her <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> so if my sister didn't answer the phone two times, I immediately would think something was wrong, too. Amy ended up getting off work later than she anticipated and didn't get to Brandy's apartment until 10.30. Okay. When she arrived, all the lights were off, but she could hear the TV on inside. She called Brandy's phone, and she heard it ring. So she concluded that Brandy was probably inside just sleeping and didn't think much of it. So the next morning, that's Saturday, May 21st, Donna called Brandy again, and there's no answer. So that's three missed calls from people who are used to being in constant contact. Yes. Donna goes to work as usual, but when she finished her shift, she went to Brandy's apartment and called her again. She, unlike Amy, did not hear the phone ring inside, and Donna didn't know this yet, but she figured, like she didn't know that Amy had called the night before or any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. She just called and didn't hear a phone. So figuring that Brandy was off at the beach as planned... She tried to go about her business because, remember, she was going right. to go to the beach that day. I don't really answer my phone when I'm at the beach because I don't keep it on my person. It's, like, right. in my bag. You can't be in the water. You can't be watching it while you're in the water and yeah. all that stuff. So that day, Amy also tried to get in contact with Brandy again, but she couldn't reach her either. Yeah, I'd definitely be worried yeah. at this point. But they are still thinking she's at the beach. So yeah. I guess it's weird that they haven't talked to her, but they also can explain it away at this point. It's still early enough, and she yeah. did have these plans. So Amy's like... She's at the beach. Well, it was their family tradition to meet up for breakfast on Sunday mornings at Alex's, the restaurant where Donna and Brandy worked. Wow. So on Sunday, May 22nd, that was the plan. But Brandy didn't make it. She also didn't make it to her Monday morning shift either. Yeah, that's, yeah. And she was not the kind of employee to do that. Donna thought... Especially not when you show up there for breakfast the day before. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not coming tomorrow. And your mom works there. So yeah. Donna... Brandy's supposed to be in at 7. Donna didn't hear that she didn't make it, so she thought everything was fine. Yeah. It sounds like... Yeah. She's reachable AF usually. Yeah. So. Yeah. But then at 7.20, Donna was notified that Brandy didn't come in, and that's when she decided she needed to call the police. Poor Donna. But the police really weren't that concerned. Adults are allowed to go missing, you know? With no signs of foul play, they told her that there really wasn't anything they could do. And in so many of our missing persons cases, if the police had just, like, hit the ground running, it could have really helped them. But yeah. they're usually like, let's give it a couple days and see if they turn up. Gosh. But, like, as much as sometimes I want to just, like, crawl into a hole, I would never just... Like Close dip out on my life world. for days. Like I might not answer phone calls or something, but somebody is always going to have been in contact with me because like my mm. sister would not let me do that. Right. It would at least be a text. I mean, no something, one answers phone yeah. calls anymore. It's 2020. But yeah. yeah. I watch that ring. I'm sorry, Uresi. She calls me every day and I'm like, let me just text then her. Then I text back. her back. <laughs> <laughs> like seconds later. Like, what's up? <laughs> what you need? 
On June 1st, at the request of Brandy's landlord, Donna packed up her daughter's apartment, which is very fast, May 20th to June 1st, but she was on a month-to-month lease. Okay, and she hadn't paid rent, I'm assuming. Yeah, so June 1st, it would have been due, and she's already been missing for like 11 days at that point, so. A couple weeks. None of Brandy's belongings were missing, except her cell phone. All of a sudden, which her other friend had heard ring. Yeah, so at 10.30, Amy calls it, hears it ring inside the unit, and then on the 1st, nobody's talked to her between 10.30 and the 1st, the only thing missing from the apartment is the phone. Well, that's really eerie. So was somebody in the apartment at 10.30? And Amy was literally just outside the door while this was happening to her friend or whatever was going on? I should hope not, but I could see how that could be possible. There was no sign of a struggle, and nothing was out of place inside the apartment. There was a blanket on the couch and a cup of tea on the table. Everything pointed to Brandy planning on returning if she planned to leave at all. But there is a neighbor who saw her get into a truck, so she at least sort of exited willingly. Mm-hmm. She was alive at least when she walked right. out of the apartment. Right. And you wouldn't get in a truck and go, you know, for a drive. You're yeah. not necessarily, you can leave your cell phone behind. Yeah. So what's happened since then? Well, according to Reddit, about three months after she disappeared, police did a search using tracking dogs. And according to this poster, Zeke shows up there and asks if the dogs are able to track the scent of someone, even if they're buried. What kind of creepy question, Zeke? Is I don't questionable at know best. about this, sir. Yeah. So this person says that the cops tell Zeke he needs to leave and not return to the search sites. And I'm pretty sure that's because they don't want the dogs to pick up his scent and then them be like, well, he was here. So no wonder they're doing that or something, you know? If he's like has a key to her apartment, true. It's a lot. So like they might just be like, you're gonna interfere with our search. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I think with those kinds of searches, I don't think civilians can just be like, hey, What's what do you see? Yeah. What do you know? It wasn't a volunteer search and rescue thing. It was like cadaver yeah. dogs or sent something, whatever. So, in that's yeah. just suspect behavior. But remember, the witness sighting could have been either man. Right. In April of 2006. Ray McAdams unexpectedly died from a heart attack. (gasps) So that's like not even a year since Brandy went missing. But in that like 11 month time period, Ray actually got married to a woman named Miranda and she was expecting a son of theirs at the time of his death. Oh, that's really sad. But if Ray knew more about Brandy's disappearance, those secrets likely died with him. In 2011, Sergeant... Ron, and I have no idea how to say his last name. It's L-A-C-H-E-R. Locker? Laker? I would say Locker because I'm extra. There we go. So if this is your last name or you know somebody with it, let us know. But anyway, that guy came across Brandy's missing person file and decided to take a closer look. I saw some conflicting reports saying 2009, but I'm like 99% positive it's actually 2011 based off of the quotes from family saying it had been six years and they were ready for some answers. So 2011, this police officer is like, let's open this again. Anyway, a couple months later, the police found a shoe in the mud under an abandoned dock at the Charleston Naval Yard that they believed was worn by Brandy. It didn't have any physical evidence that it actually was Brandy's, but it was the exact shoe she was last seen wearing that she also wore to work every day. Mm -hmm. 
It was discovered just blocks away from the apartment where she lived at the time of her disappearance. Archaeologist Dr. John Leder headed up a search team in the area to do a more thorough check. Donna, Brandy's mom, identified the shoe as being Brandy's. She said it was a white Nike with light blue trim, and the shoe even had a manufacturing date of 2005. Okay. Oh, this is what I was just telling you. White athletic shoes were listed as what Brandy was likely wearing the last time she was seen on all of her missing person documents because they saw her wear it at work every day, so they were like, she was probably wearing these shoes. Mm -hmm. However, DNA testing was done on the shoe, and it was inconclusive. Donna said that she knows it was Brandy's shoe that they found, despite not being able to link it to her scientifically. Brandy wore a size 10 shoe, and the shoe that they found was 10 and a half, which is pretty large for a woman's foot. So So for it to be the exact shoe she usually wears, a few blocks from her apartment, with a manufacturing date of 2005, and a size 10-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Sergeant... Locker. Some people get their tennis shoes a little bit big on purpose. Yeah, I wear an eight and a half, but if I order my shoe online, I might get a nine just because I can't try it on. Yeah. And like, but an eight and a half is my usual size. So sometimes I can even wear an eight, but like, you know, so it doesn't have to be exact. Mm-hmm. Depends on the kind of shoe. So Sergeant Locker said, quote, the shoe that I dug up was size 10 and a half. DNA came back inconclusive, so we can't confirm or deny that it was her shoe. But in my mind, I don't see how it cannot be her shoe. End quote. And I agree. I think it's too many things. It's got to be her shoe. Yeah. I you just can't prove it. I, okay. Do you think it's her shoe? I mean, I think there's a strong possibility. I mean, they found it so... Mo- Wait, so when did they find this? 2011, yeah. Oh, so it's a really long time. I don't know. That gives me pause. I mean, it's a long time from when she went missing. I mean, it's close to where she was. But it was an abandoned naval yard. But also, oh. if there's an abandoned naval yard blocks away from a missing person's apartment... Why didn't you check, Why didn't you check there six years ago? For shame. Yeah. So the archaeologists and volunteers panned out their search from the location that she was found, and they looked for three days, but did not find any other potential clues. Mm-hmm. Investigators have long presumed that Brandy was a victim of foul play and believed her to be deceased. She was officially declared dead on August 26, 2013. So a little more than eight years later. But things started to unravel in December of 2016 when Zeke Lankford was arrested early in that month on charges of first-degree sexual misconduct with Say a minor. What? Listen, every fact I learned about Zeke makes me angry. Yeah. But we always say, like, the way they're going to solve a case is if they, somebody gets caught for something else. Yeah. And so he gets arrested. and On a minor? Yeah. There's a lot of... Come on. Well, Zeke, you have been judged. Just know. Yeah. <laughs> Authorities claim that Zeke sexually assaulted a child on at least two occasions between 2013 and 2014. He had been wanted on those charges since August of 2016, just wasn't picked up until December of 2016. So at this point, we're like 11 years after Brandy, 11 and a right. half years after Brandy went missing. I would assume he's around the same age as Brandy at that time. So he's like, so he's like 43. 45. Yeah, 45-ish. In yeah. his mid to, late, early, mid to early 40s probably. And then, at, so at this point, it's been... Girls. That's like my biggest, like, just don't, I can't... It yeah. also didn't say girl, though. It just said child. So we don't oh, know. True, true. Yeah. So at this point, it's been 11 Babies. years, 11 and a half years since Brandy went missing, and over a decade since Ray McAdams died, too. Okay. 
Investigators decided to take advantage of all of Zeke's free time and interviewed him more than once while he was in the Charleston County Detention Center. He was ultimately charged with obstruction of justice in Brandy's disappearance because investigators with the North Charleston police said that he, quote, willfully provided false and misleading statements, Mm. end quote, to the investigators. So he originally told police that he didn't see Brandy at all that night because he was working late. But in 2016, he admitted to investigators that he, quote unquote, may have gone to Brandy's apartment that evening and saw her in the hours right before she vanished. What do you mean, may? That, how do you just, like, that's an important day in your, like, yeah. life, your After girlfriend. That, you or, never uh, saw your yeah. boo. Yeah. So phone records show that he and Brandy talked to each other on the phone after he got off work that afternoon, which mm-hmm. was, like, 4 p.m. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. An affidavit states that Zeke, quote, told investigators he planned to meet Hannah on the night she disappeared, but he ended up working late. However, investigators said timesheets from Langford's employer show he got off work at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So there's actually something you should know. Early on in the episode, I said that somebody called in a tip that they saw Brandy get into a truck with her ex-boyfriend. Okay? Phone records showed that Zeke made those phone calls to City Hall to report this tip. What? Yeah. His his sister's phone was the one used. It was a male caller, but the phone is linked to his sister. They called in to City Hall more than one time reporting that they saw Brandy get into the truck with her ex-boyfriend the night she went missing. Megan, that's so sketchy. Like, There's no reason for you to issue a call like that unless you're trying to frame your boy. That's wild as can be. The affidavit states several calls from the number were made to North Charleston City Hall in which a male caller said he saw Hannah getting into her ex-boyfriend's truck, end quote. Not all the calls came from Zeke, though, because remember, reportedly a neighbor saw her get into a red pickup truck with white stripes on the side, and also that truck had a Jason Voorhees mask on the grill. And Ray McAdams was known to drive a truck with the Jason Voorhees mask on it. So Zeke is making calls saying she was getting into a truck with an ex-boyfriend, but the yeah, neighbor... Well, see, that's the weird thing. If he made that call, what about that is bad? Like, what about that is a crime? What about that is something that you report? Yeah. She's getting into the car with her ex-boyfriend. I think they're just giving a tip, like, this girl's missing, but I saw her get in, her, in a truck with her ex-boyfriend that night. And the neighbor is saying, red truck, white stripes, Jason mask. Zeke's calls are just red truck... With an ex-boyfriend. It's important that you know the ex-boyfriend part. One second, I'll tell you why. So Ray and Zeke actually drove the same truck, the same exact truck, because it was a company vehicle and they worked together. What? It's worth noting that the plumbing company where they worked was owned by Zeke's father. So I'm not sure why they waited more than a decade to try to verify his alibi about whatever time he left work, but I bet you in 2005, the family would have covered for him. His dad right. is his boss, and he's the one who would have been able to say if he was right. working or if he wasn't working. So after dad died is and when they realized he really wasn't working. Oh. But both of them had red company trucks. They were never searched in 2005. What? Yeah. And Ray's truck had the Jason mask. And then Ray's personal vehicle was also a red truck. There's no mention if the company vehicles had some insignia on it, like a logo, to right. identify them as part of the fleet or not. But either way, 
Neither truck, personal or company, were ever forensically tested when Brandy went missing. The men look similar enough in the dark, they drive similar vehicles, that it was easy to think either one could have done it. One had a Jason mask, but... One could have planted a Jason mask. One could have planted a Jason mask, I guess. So, the reason they probably weren't forensically tested is because at first it wasn't investigated as a homicide. Okay, but... So, Zeke also told investigators that Ray McAdams contacted him the morning after Brandy went missing. But in 2016, according to that affidavit, Zeke is actually the one who initiated contact with Ray. And he continued to contact him several times via text message in the days that followed. Sergeant Laker said there were two additional people whose names were never released to the public that could face charges related to hindering an investigation if they don't come forward. But he hoped that after Zeke got the obstruction of justice charge that that would spark these other people to speak up. So he means two people not including Zeke. Right. So who could they be? Like Zeke's wife? Did they ever look into that? Zeke's sister? Ray's sister. Oh, Ray's Amy. Yeah. Or maybe Amy. No, I don't know. Zeke's, I mean, he made the phone calls from her oh, phone, Oh, from his right? sister's phone. True. So like right. it could be his wife and his sister. I don't know. But as far as we know, Amy might have been the last person to talk to Brandy before she disappeared other than whoever is saying. responsible. Okay. Yeah. So, also in 2016, Ray's father had some things to say about what he's heard over the years. Ooh, talk. He said that he was told that Brandy had been handed off to some drug dealers to settle a debt. What? He said, quote, I was told that Brandy was collateral for Zeke Lankford's debt. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but I was told she was sent to Houston to pay off the debt, end quote. Sergeant Locker said there is no credible information that would make investigators think Brandy was actually sold to drug dealers, but like with all tips, they, of course, looked into it. So. If that's not true, what horrible person would pass that along to a father as a rumor and just keep him up at night? Yeah, like she was his future daughter-in-law. She dated his son for six years. She's also the best friend of his other daughter-in-law. Yeah. So, theory time. There are, of course, two suspects, Zeke and Ray. I saw on a Web Sleuths forum that said, quote, it was Ray 100%. Despite the lack of a body, I've seldom seen a case with such an obvious solution, end quote. And then another one literally directly below that one that said, quote, in my view, it's Zeke 100%. Okay, maybe 99%. But agree, it's mind-boggling that this wasn't solved in the first year. End quote. So, like, two people are like 100% totally certain Ray did it. 100% totally certain Zeke did it. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. It really is nothing to point to one person. Both men took polygraphs and both men passed them. Oh. Ray took his about two weeks following Brandy's disappearance, and Zeke did one about two months later after some initial hesitation. And just disclaimer, listeners, never, ever, 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 ever agree to take a polygraph. Oh, that's that's our stance now? I mean, like, I, I, mean, that, like, I, mean, like, I wouldn't take I mean, like, one, I will judge but... you very hard if you don't do it. And you're the suspect <laughs> in a case, but my own personal... We're very like, hard to please. Yes, yeah. <laughs> We've said this in one episode. We we're like, if you, like, decline a polygraph, you look guilty, but also you should never take a polygraph because <laughs> yeah. that science is totally sketchy yeah. and it's usually not even admissible. And if you fail it, which it's totally easy to manipulate these to pass or fail, yeah. if you fail it, you look guilty. So just decline and... 
F everybody else yeah. except for if we do an episode about you, we will say that you look guilty. <laughs> but like never – I would never take one. I would instruct my friends and family to never take one. Of course. Same. And I would be, I'm too much of a nervous wreck to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm innocent. Yeah. To be like, oh, but my sweat glands, they are just, they have a mind of their yeah. own. <laughs> have you, did you watch the Chris Watts Lifetime movie? No, I've heard about it. Okay, but. so I watched it the other day, uh-huh. and he takes a polygraph in it, and failing the polygraph is when they were like, well, now we know the truth, and then he just confesses to everything, <gasps> which he's a total monster, gross, sick person, but like, had he never taken the polygraph, he would have been scot free. Yeah, he would have. Glad he took the polygraph. Yeah, I'm glad he took the polygraph because he's if a monster. If you're a horrible monster, take, take polygraphs. Yeah, yeah, because we want you caught. But like, if you're just a regular Joe, don't take a polygraph. Like, and they were like, I don't know, regular people think that, like, oh, if I fail a polygraph, it's really, like, they really know. These yeah. are not usually admissible. So, like, yeah, don't let them scare you. on it. Okay. This is, I sound yeah, like I'm helping you. criminals here. But, like, don't let them scare you into thinking that, like, if you fail a polygraph, now, like, your guilt is, like, undeniable or something. Because it's a dumb test. Anyway, sorry about that. Yeah. We so. are making murders. <laughs> like, the Not next that. time, the next installment of making a murder on Netflix is just like us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be so fun. Uh, Jimmy the other day was like, hey, "When you and Jasmine become syndicated, like, and we watch y'all make this podcast, like, you're Howard Stern. Are you guys still going to work here?" And I was like. Uh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And he was like, um, don't blame you. So yeah, one day you're going to watch us do this, guys. So Donna said that one day out of the blue, Ray said to her, now this is way before Brandy ever vanished, but he said, quote, I could kill your daughter and get away with it. I could take her and make her disappear and you'd never know, end quote. Just like random. So if that isn't chilling and suspect, then I don't know what is. But wow, so up to now I haven't really heard anything that made me feel like Ray was a bad guy. I'm like, oh, he accepted her after she did him dirty. Oh, he still wanted to work on their love. Yeah. Oh, he moved his best friend in and he betrayed yeah. him and he like, so did it So there's that weird question. Yeah. There's the fact that he got married like hella fast after their breakup. Right. Then he also drives a vehicle similar to the description. Right. But so did Zeke. So like before I was like Zeke and then it's like hmm. maybe Ray? I don't know. So there was a neighbor who said that they saw her get into a truck. So this is significant that a neighbor said they saw this because reportedly the neighborhood where she lived was predominantly black. And as a white woman, she would have stood out more. So if a neighbor saw her, it is likely that something they would have definitely been able to recall. Okay. The witness would first identify Ray as the man she saw in the truck, but later recanted that statement and identified Zeke as being the driver. A lot of theories I read circling the internet say that Zeke may have gone as far as planting a Jason mask on his own truck because Ray was known to have that on his Uh. truck. So they thought maybe in order to implicate Ray, he attached this to his truck just this one time to throw off witnesses or mislead investigators to deflect blame. That's a, I don't know. That's, I mean, he did have plans to go see her. You know what I mean? There would have been mm-hmm. no hesitation for her to get in his car. Mm-hmm. Whereas, she was excited about seeing him. Right. And this, if he did that, that's really smart. And, yeah, and he clearly engages in criminal activity. So right. it, putting the Jason mask on his car seems plausible. Yeah, if he's going to calculate all the rest of that. Yeah. And not even make, make the phone call from his own phone, but from his sister's phone. That's, come on. Yeah. If you really did see that. Why wouldn't you just come to the police, come forward? Like, why would you have to make, like, this, like... Anonymous. Anonymous, like, yeah. secret curveball phone call. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's, and yeah. it's 
Yeah, it's suspicious. So he, and... I think it's possible he could have put a mask on his truck to make people think it was Ray because he made those phone calls to make people think it was Ray. Yeah. But I never liked the Zeke guy. Yeah. But both men had alibis. Zeke, as you know, he said he was working, and then that alibi crumbled. But Ray's alibi was that he was at a nightclub all night. But later, Amy, his sister-in-law, slash Brandy's best friend, would say she actually went to Ray's house the night that Brandy disappeared, and Ray was home. Which works in his favor, because if he's home, he wasn't out murdering Brandy. But, like, what? Why would he give a false alibi? Exactly. And why would nobody corroborate it still? Yeah. So you had a nightclub by yourself and nobody saw you, but you really were home because your sister-in-law said you were home. So it makes him look sketchy because it discredits his alibi, but being home would have been good for you, sir. So why lie? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if he's just home alone, then that doesn't help him either. But he wasn't. Amy saw him. Yeah. Amy could back it up. I don't know. Maybe he knows when something went down and he wasn't home at that time. Like we said in the very beginning, maybe the men worked together and then they could just point the finger at each other and then you could never do anything, like a weird circle. I I still, I couldn't fathom that much. I'm going to write the movie script. Hit me up, networks, Paramount. So, or Lifetime, you know, I'd go with that. So, neither men could ever conclusively be linked to Brandy's disappearance and presumed murder because they're both just pointing the finger at the other. And they both had the means and the motive to want Brandy gone. Donna, though initially suspicious of Ray, later changed her tune. She said that despite what he said in the restaurant and her own personal feelings about the man, she thinks he wasn't involved in her daughter's disappearance because of his behavior afterward, his cooperation during the investigation, and his genuine sympathy for Brandy's family. Hmm. I know I said that both men had a motive to want her gone, but did Zeke really... He had already returned to his wife, so why would he go back and kill Brandy? He was separated from his wife when they started their relationship, so it wasn't exactly infidelity. And all of this is really trusting the neighbor who spotted her getting into the truck. Like, all of us, all of that is completely hinged on that that really happened. Remember that they said Mm ex-boyfriend? So Brandy hadn't even lived there very long, like maybe a month leading up to her disappearance. So... No one would have known who her ex-boyfriends were. Like, oh. the oh, only... I was going to say the only person that was recently was in relationship. Yeah, like in a relationship with her was Zeke. Ray had, and her were not together or yeah. even really communicating when she moved there. And even if he had been at the house, the neighbors wouldn't have known he was an ex-boyfriend. Right. Yeah. Because she just moved there. Yeah. They don't know her that well. So Unless they had like a big knockdown drag out and it was like, mm, we're done. And then they're like, yeah, which is doubtful. Yeah. Really, the only thing that makes me think it's Zeke is how careful he was to avoid investigators looking at him. He flat out lied about working that night. He purposely made these phone calls to make them look at Ray. Yeah. He oh, said that Ray contacted him the day after Brandy disappeared. And they're fighting, right? Because Zeke stole his lady. And he was like, Ray reached out to me. Zeke mm-hmm. reached out to him. So everything pretty much that he said has been sketchy and a lot. Yeah, but then Ray also lied about the nightclub. He didn't go out of his way to try to frame somebody, but he also lied about where he was. Zeke lied about everything and tried to frame somebody. Yeah, both not the best moves. So maybe they work together. But that is your theory. It's really not. I just think think it would be fascinating. But I, I don't think Zeke really had a reason to want to kill her. Maybe Zeke's wife did. Yeah, maybe those are the other people that need to come forward. Yeah, I, just pure jealousy. Just getting frustrated at someone else having been with your man and you, them still having 
clear feelings because he said Randy yeah. still wanted to get back with him. I just wish it didn't take so long for police to take missing persons cases seriously because they waste valuable investigative time when they drag their feet thinking that adults just regularly up and leave their life without a trace. And I beg to differ. I think that is the outlier. I don't think it's the norm that people just dip out. I think Ben McDaniel did that, but I don't, like, in all of our other cases, oh, no, I think Phoenix Colden did that, too. But most of them, I think they're legitimately missing, not on their own accord. Or something's gone wrong in some way, yeah. A few other podcasts have covered Brandy's case, including Trace Evidence. Her story is their episode number 69. You can also hear Brandy's story on the Love Triangle episode of Investigation Discovery's show Disappeared. It aired on June 6th, 2016, so that was obviously like a big year in this case because like everything started to fall apart in 2016, and it's in episode 7 if that helps you locate it. This May will be 15 years since Brandy Hanna was last seen. She has been legally declared dead, and police are investigating her case as a homicide. The family's website, missingbrandyhanna.com, is no longer active, though I'm not sure if that's temporary or what. If you have any information that could help investigators solve this case, please contact the North Charleston Police Department at 843-745-1015. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths. And if you haven't already had the chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Facebook, or any social media or streaming platforms available.